0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Everybody, Finny Hardy here for another edition of Cat Talk with Vinny and Terry. I'm outside of Knoxville. My man, Terry Tolls brown is in Louisville, the largest city in our home state of Kentucky. Got a ton of stuff to talk about. Oh, it's just loaded, TV. We got another fun show. Appreciate everybody listening. How you doing this evening, man?
2: Let
1: me turn your it's mic on, with- my bad.
2: You got me now? Oh, I yeah, I got you,
1: my fault.
2: Oh, not a problem, but uh, I'm doing good. It's finally fall as we look
1: uh, toward
2: October, and uh, so I'm doing pretty good right now.
1: Good deal, good deal. It is raining cats and dogs down here right now. Got a little thunderstorm rolling in. It's rain now, but it might be some rumbling and thundering that you hear in the background as we do the show, so... uh
0: yeah, we'll see how that how that goes.
1: It is fall now, but hopefully this doesn't start knocking all the leaves off before they get a chance to to get bold and bright and orange and yellow and red.
0: <laughs> no, I understand
2: how that goes, but you're right, we've got a lot of ground to uh cover tonight.
1: Most definitely. And we're gonna hit it all, we're gonna hit of course uh Kentucky football Saturday. Uh, gonna get a ton of your experiences since you were there in the box. Gotta get to the women's soccer and volleyball. We're gonna get all that updated as we always do.
0: Uh,
1: got NFL stuff to talk about. We got individual players on the Kentucky football team to talk about. Uh, but as we know, now that Missouri's in the mirror, <clears throat> The next opponent will be the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. Uh, There's a lot of knuckleheadedness that went on, you know, in the offseason between these two squads. Uh, It was well documented. Um, And you just wanted this game to get played and, and stay civil and not get, you know, stupid stuff going on, just get to the game and play the game without all this foolishness. But it's taken a sad turn even before that game, a uh, sad development with the passing of Joseph Kramer, who uh, was a defensive lineman for Eastern Kentucky, transferred there. So that just kind of, you know, just, just a sad situation for the whole, uh, both schools and definitely for Eastern Kentucky uh, and everybody involved with their team and school and faculty and, and everything involved with the Colonels.
0: Yeah,
2: it's uh, uh, definitely going to be a, a somber start to the game. Uh, it's sad when when anyone loses their life, particularly a, a young man seemingly had his whole life ahead of him. So uh, I understand they're going to have a moment uh, before the game gets started uh, on Saturday, uh, a nice gesture from the University of Kentucky. Uh, but once the game gets played, I don't think there will be a lot of carryover from – some of the foolishness that took place during the off season between the colonels and the wildcats. I think coach Stoops and company and his staff have his, have the wildcats kind of dialed into, we just need to handle our business. And I
1: kind of lean to the side of thinking that nothing was going to happen anyway. Uh, But now Unfortunately, with the passing of, of Kramer, definitely not now. Uh, Eastern will be coming in with him on their minds, uh, no doubt rallying and, and, and dedicating the game to him for some of them or all of them. Um, and, like I said, Kentucky has reached out. You know, Coach Stoops and his call show Monday had reached out to Coach Hood for Eastern Kentucky. Uh, they had kind of played phone tag, but, you know, definitely wanted to let him know that UK um, extended their condolences to Eastern. So um, I definitely don't think it would be anything ridiculous now happening out of the context ridiculous uh, as far as carryover is concerned. Uh, he transferred Joseph Kramer, that is, from UTEP, and he was from Kettering, Ohio. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just step on a big limb and say that you. And the lovely Mrs. TB, are definitely familiar with that area of the country. Her being from Cincinnati,
2: yes. And that's a that's a football. Uh, I keep telling people the difference between Ohio high school football and, and Kentucky football. It's it's night and day. It's east to west. I mean, it's just totally different. So it's a football hotbed. And uh, so, you know, the young man's coming from a a good football background. And definitely, like I said, sad to see that happen.
1: Yeah. And technically, Kettering is close to Dayton, but Dayton's only a hop and a jump from Cincinnati. So it's all kind of right in that south southwestern part of the state kind of all together, isn't it?
2: Yeah. and, And what people fail to realize is that when the playoffs roll around in Ohio, they, they don't play the football games at the high school's home stadiums. They they play them uh, at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. They play them at Ohio Stadium in Columbus. Uh, they play at the Brown Stadium in Cleveland. They use these big stadiums for their high school football playoffs. That's the kind of demand they have. So it's a whole lot different than what we're kind of used to in our uh, neck of the woods.
1: Like even the, the opening round, I, I know you know the state title game or the semifinals, but you're talking like first round games are in NFL venues. The,
2: the, depending on where they play, because uh, uh, Cincinnati, I know they use they will use UC Stadium and the Bengals Stadium for maybe not the first round, but I know it's not. They don't just wait until the championship rounds either uh, because the ticket demand is just that great. Wow, now
1: that <laughs> that is different. When you <laughs> you're talking opening round games, which I don't. I mean, I don't know how they they bracket things in Ohio, but I mean, Kentucky opening round games. You could have a uh, you know an eight and two team playing a, a four and six team because that four and six team in that district made it, you know. And to imagine those two going at it in the first round in Commonwealth Stadium, that wow, or or Papa John Stadium, that that'd be that is different.
2: Wow. It, it, it's a lot different, uh, particularly the, the GCL, the uh, Greater Catholic League in uh, Cincinnati, where you've got Cincinnati Elder, Cincinnati uh, St. Xavier, and I'm drawing a blank on the other team, but of the four or five teams in just that league, you've got like 20 high school football championships, all these runners-up, all these. NFL guys, so it's like that is the SEC West of of high school football. Just you know, among those five teams, so it's, it's it's super competitive every week out.
1: Man, um, and the only thing I knew about Kettering before now was that it was the hometown of. Professional skateboarder Rob Deardick, who I was a fan of uh, off of the Robin Big show on MTV. So he's from there. And uh, he took a one episode he went back home to visit there and took Big there, Big Black, Christopher Boykin there. And just hilarity ensued. But that was, you know, I always remember Kettering from that. And, and, you know, they were back in his home stomping grounds just acting a fool
2: of course in in ohio it's, it's a it's a great place but uh yeah high school football takes on a whole nother, uh a whole other meaning uh once you cross the river from kentucky into ohio that's is,
1: that is interesting dropping some real knowledge um but there's no real way to to really transition from that to wish uh, and extend condolences to the Kramer family and to Eastern Kentucky University as well. Um, <clears throat> moving to the, the Kentucky side of things, they just came off of a win over Missouri, 25th ranked Missouri, two-time SEC East champion Missouri, uh, 21-13 in Commonwealth Stadium.
0: Uh, you were
1: in the building, taking it all in from the squeaky clean, brand-new press box. Uh, all the tweets were great. The photos were great. The write-up about it on Wildcat Station was great. So, I mean, uh, got to just get all your perspective on everything. Uh, and I, if I have a question that just hits me throughout the show about it, I'm, I'm going to ask you about whatever you experienced. And uh, glad you got to go. And, and it looked like you had a great time and a great view. But, so, man, we just got to get your thoughts on how everything went Saturday.
2: Uh, Yeah, well, first things first, the the new Commonwealth Stadium, uh, as they're calling it, it is fantastic. Uh, As I do when I'm covering the games, I get there early because I want to try to take in as much as I can of the experience. And you can tell, you know, usually when they say, oh, we've just upgraded something, you can't really tell the difference. But from the first time you walk in, you can tell there's a a world of difference between – Old Commonwealth and new Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, the press box, it is it is fantastic. It's bigger. It is more accommodating so they can get more folks in. Um, the food's a little bit better, although they still have the free ice cream, which is always the best perk of covering a game is you get the free ice cream because uh, I had two Dream Sickles and an ice cream sandwich, so you know I had to do it like <laughs> that. But Uh, it, it, it's just old Commonwealth. I had a chance to cover a couple of games in that. And it was, it was nice, but this, this is, this is better. This is at every little media station you've got, uh, where you can, you've got two outlets to plug up your equipment. It's got a USB charger adapt. I mean, it's just, it's everything you could want, uh, to cover the team. So that, that aspect of it was, was great. Uh, got to see a lot of our friends, Kyle Tucker of the Courier Journal, got to to meet uh, John Hale that, that just started covering the Cats for the Courier Journal. Our good friend Freddie Maggert, uh was there, got to meet him face-to-face, and he told me to tell you that you need to come uh, to a game. Uh, so that was nice. But, but once the game started, and, you know, as my dad used to say, you can clean up the outside of the house, but if the inside is still – clean this up, still still crappy, it's still going to be crappy. So we had to see what the guys were going to do on the field. We know that against Missouri – I mean, I'm sorry, not against Missouri, but against Florida, had a chance to win, didn't win. You know, we've covered that. So it was going to be a thing. And how would they bounce back? And, and their bounce back? Was, was what we were looking for. Uh, they, they played well. And the one thing, and I actually shared this with Big Blue Views on Monday, my takeaway was there wasn't anything gimmicky about the win. When you look at the win against Missouri, they just lined up and they out-executed Missouri. That's There was no fluke plays, There was no turnovers. It was just the Wildcat defense. Uh, just buckling down, when you look and you say, oh, they only gave up 14 to Florida, 13 to Missouri, that's a pretty good defense for the unit we thought was going to be the weak spot of the team. And after a week of folks really getting down on Patrick Tolles and the pro Barker
3: crowd
2: uh, really getting a lot more vocal, Tolles did a lot on Saturday night, to uh, to silence those critics against statistically the toughest defense in the SEC to that point, Patrick Tolles was accurate. He kept a lot of plays alive uh, with his feet. So, and, and he he led the team like you want your you know your second year starter to do it. Uh, I think what really kind of said, this is not your same old Kentucky. They had a big play called back in the second quarter. They went from, it would have been first and 10 deep inside Missouri, 29 at their own 10-yard line. Old Kentucky just says, let's give our punter some room. New Kentucky, they're throwing the ball downfield, they're being bold with their play calling, and they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. That's when a lot of folks in the press box kind of said, whoa, this this is different. This is new. This is good. We like this. And, and that's the way the play call was. And something that uh, Coach Stoops uh, addressed in his post-game press conference was Kentucky's ability to run the ball and get first downs when they need to get first downs. He said that's the sign of a good team. The defense... They held Missouri, and the offense was able to come in with JoJo Kemp, get those first downs, and, and and get to that victory formation. And when you look at the close games that they've had, which all of them have been close this year, they've been able to close them out. I mean, except for Florida. But this is a game, This is this is how you want them to win. It's not gimmicky, it's just line them up, and, and being better than the opponent. And that's my takeaway from uh, from the game.
1: Yeah, and it was, um, I think Freddie Megger said on Monday when he was on with Tom Leach during his, his Monday morning quarterback show, he said Kentucky out Missouri Missouri. You know, Missouri just likes to grind and keep it close so and then, do what they have to do in the fourth quarter. And before you know it, they pulled out a win
0: that, like,
1: well, how do they do that? And they've done that ever since they've been in the SEC. Uh, won the East twice. Uh, had an 11-game conference road street going that was snapped. Um, Kentucky's first win over a ranked team since 2010 when they beat South Carolina. Um, Freddie said it was kind of the, like the closest blowout he ever saw because you had A.J. Stamps, who had a pick six that was uh, erased due to a uh, pass interference call. Uh, Cody Quinn dropped a potential pick six. So possibly could have been a couple more scores. You know, it could have been a a, a lot more breathing room than the eight points. But like you said, Kentucky did what they had to do um, to close out the game, to uh, not let it slip away to – Beat down seven to nothing, and not fold. You know the same way against South Carolina. Get down seven to nothing. They roared back. Same thing. Um, after getting down seven to nothing to Missouri, they outscored them twenty one to six the rest of the way. Uh, and I still think the defense is farther ahead than a lot expected. Everybody just knew the offense would, you know, have to win shootouts, have to go toe to toe to help the defense along. But this defense has just been stout from the get go. Uh the way they pursue the ball, the way they make play collectively. Um the option play that Missouri tried to run, they got strung out. Uh the play JD Harmon made against South Carolina going sideline to sideline. You know, plays like that that we we wouldn't see finished off.
0: Um and we kind
1: of saw it in Mark Stoops' first year. I think it was the game at Mississippi State where guys were in position to get off the field and just didn't make the tackle. Now they're getting there and making the tackle. So, schematically, Coach Stoops is doing work. DJ Elliott is doing work. And now, you know, we've got players and personnel that can execute it and finish it off. Um, but, you know, the offense this time, like you said, Pat told. Um, the scramble that he had to tie it up, and when you alluded to it, uh, plays that led up to that drive the Kentucky scoring, I think when he when he touched it and ran and, and punched it into the end zone, personally, I think that kind of loosened him up. It, it gave him that little swag that we saw, you know, that Patty Ice that we came to know last year when he had it rolling in the first part of the year. Uh, that's who we saw the rest of the game. You know twenty one for twenty nine. Talk about how accurate he was. I mean, you, you know, you can't do much better than that. And you know, that wasn't a, originally meant to be a scramble. You know, he was looking the pass, didn't have anything, tucked it and ran, and made some cuts and went across the field. And you know, we know what a good runner he is. And then from then on, you know, he was locked in. He had that swag. He didn't have the kind of uh frightened look in his eye that we sometimes kind of seen or a little body language that's kind of shaky. They do dude was balling. You know, he took things to his own hands. And you and I have been in the same boat for weeks when it comes to all of the, you know, being surprised at hearing all the talk for, for Drew Barker and how it's kind of, team uh, rolling and, and gaining momentum, and we're like, "Why, why?" Now you know, Cady I just kind of put that to rest again. You
0: know, uh, we
1: probably will see Drew against DKU, but the free, you know bring out Drew, start Drew, bench toll, We shouldn't be hearing about that for a, a few weeks. Yeah, and, and not to
2: not to kind of jump too far ahead. But a lot of folks, uh, when Kentucky had the ball at the end of the second half, with you know a minute or so, when they were driving and they kind of ran out the clock, and a lot of uh, Commonwealth Stadium booed because uh, I guess they were wanting the cast to take some chances. I mean that was the smart play. Uh, I was able to talk to, to Freddie Maggard at the time. He said that's what that's a smart play because in those type of situations, that's that's when the Missouri defense that's that's when they make their head. That's when they they, they pounce and they force you to make a mistake when you're just trying to, you know, get off the field and that kind of thing. So uh, the team, the coaches, they did what you want to see your team do. They were able to flip the field on Missouri a lot. You know, they were driving the ball out to midfield, and if it stalled, they were punting and pinning Missouri back. Landon Foster looked fantastic. And, and they look like an s e c football team, and again you know looking looking ahead a little bit, looking past eastern you know four and one with a you know not so spectacular auburn coming to town on that thursday i mean that that's that's uh that's that's pretty good right there, so I like the way the team i like where the team is right now they've got players. They've got receiving core. These are big, strong, physical guys. Uh, I mean, this is an SEC team that we're watching, and we're seeing that on the field.
1: Are you there Vinny? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My goodness, my fat finger hit a mute button or something. Um, we talking about I was talking about uh, the coffin corner kickoffs and how Kentucky consistently did that. You mentioned Landon Foster and how good he was. Uh Kentucky was kicking off doing cough and corner kickoff, forcing Missouri to fill the kick, uh, at the five, six, seven yard line, and they were only getting to the twenty only getting to the 18. And this was happening on more than one occasion. You know, Kentucky was kicking it off to the corner without kicking it out of bounds, but yet uh, forcing Missouri to have uh, bad field position, even though they were returning the kick. You know, kicking it in play and still covering it and making them go a long field. Uh, Dorian Baker, uh, we saw the drop uh, in the opening drive against Florida. Uh, Perhaps he was pressing, trying to do a little bit too much. He came back with a vengeance. He bounced back just like Patrick Coles did. Uh, He had the touchdown catch. He also had the one-handed catch on the sideline, kind of Odell Beckham Jr.-ish the back shoulder throw. Um, And I forget who tweeted out, but he had made a similar play in practice where he spun back and snagged it with one hand along the sideline as well. Uh, So he bounced back. Patrick bounced back as well. Um, and like I said, the defense has just been been balling out as a unit all season
0: long. And,
2: and, and you know, I keep saying this, but I, I, it, it's nothing gimmicky with what they're doing. It's just getting good players and coaching them up. That is uh, the recipe. And and now that you know you you know beat Missouri. Uh, it's it's a slow patient climb from the cellar the SEC East to the top and we're seeing that taking place on the field and it's a, it's a good feeling i uh, i think i can speak for a lot of kentucky fans where even during this missouri game
0: you're you're waiting
2: for at least missouri to come back and make it a make it a a tough game you know that keeping missouri to a field goal on their last drive was huge uh you know, because you're waiting, waiting to see what the cats will do with some some game pressure, and it just never came to fruition. Uh, once we got the ball back, it was just pound the rock with JoJo and, you know, you know, good night and, and drive home safely, and and those are the games that they're going to have to win. I, I would much rather see us with these one score games against quality opponents, grinding out these wins. Uh, because it makes them stay focused for sixty minutes and, and do the little things the coaches are telling them to do. So uh I know there's still a lot of football left to be played between now and November, but as we head into October, uh we've got to be feeling pretty good about where the football cats are right now.
1: Yeah. Um last week after the Florida lost Kentucky was two and one uh, after a quarter of the season, uh, we talked about they go 2-1 and one four times, that'll get to the 8-4, that ourselves and even uh, others, a lot more knowledgeable than ourselves, have predicted, you know, seven, eight wins, or that's what a lot have picked for Kentucky. A week later, now we're a third of the way through the season, and they sit at 3-1, and one. Um, and, you know, we try not to speculate and look ahead, uh, and, of course, the players and coaches aren't. You know, Mark Mark isn't going to let that happen for the players. But Auburn isn't the uh, dynamic SEC West winner, that every, you know, camp that everybody kind of crowned them to be. They're picking to win the West. They're struggling everywhere. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into some of these other SEC teams and games and uh, games that aren't as daunting on paper as we thought they would be back in the summer when we were, you know, looking ahead to what the football season would bring about. Um, so, like I said, you know, it's still a long way to go, but you gotta like where you are
0: at this point.
2: Yeah, and I don't see, I don't see us having that that second half swoon like we did last year. You know, we're gonna look back and say, okay, how do we even get to to five and one? You know, I
0: think.
2: That was I won't say smoke and mirrors, but it took a lot to get to that point with last year's team. This year's team, there there's a a difference to them. You know, I think we're going to look at the this is the the team that will spring for spring us forward to that upper echelon of the SEC. I I truly believe that just from kind of watching how they operate uh, on game day.
1: Have we? We talked about passing South Carolina, beating them two years straight. Um, talked about Missouri being next. Has UK passed Missouri now? Um, this is the first time beating them since they've been in the league. Has has the jump been made already? Are we even with them? I mean, definitely even. But where, where would you say? After seeing what you I, saw, I,
2: I, I would say. Yes, because I know that they represent the SEC East. You know, they've won it back-to-back years. But I think that had more to do with an absence of really good team in the SEC East. I think that consistently uh, we can be better than Missouri. And, you know, that may be kind of jumping the gun, kind of being a prisoner of the moment, but I I feel that right now, that we are better, we're a better program than Vanderbilt, than South Carolina, and than Missouri, right now in the SEC East. And that is no small feat. And I, I want Big Blue Nation to understand that that is a big deal. Since the SEC expanded to two divisions, we rarely had one, two, you know, three teams kind of in our rearview mirror as we press forward. And honestly, you can say
0: eh,
2: we're getting closer to Florida when you look at the on-the-field uh, production. So the gap between the top of the line and Kentucky is is not as far as it once was. And we're actually putting some teams in our rearview mirror, which which is a good thing.
1: Definitely, and – uh, just, you know, continue to build on the foundation that's been laid, uh, and like you said, it's not gimmicky. It's not cutting corners to you know, just be a flash in the pan for a little bit, and then you fade away. Uh, you know, Coach Cruz has been in some big time programs and, and done a lot of winning, and bringing that here, which, which showed initially in the recruiting, which caught everybody here off guard, all of us, because we'd never seen this before, and it didn't faze him to go and recruit against Florida because he recruited against them year in and year out when he was at Florida State and uh, in, in all these other schools he had been at. When he was at Nebraska, he was recruiting against Michigan and Michigan State and all these other schools. So he's just doing what he does. For us, it was us having to adjust like, whoa, whoa, look at this recruiting class. Whoa, the best in history. Oh, he did it again. Oh, but you know he he's kind of expecting it to, to be this way, you know. <laughs> so yeah, we had to it, kind of get it, up to speed with what he was doing. And,
2: and that's the thing is, like our, our basketball coach, Coach Cal, has uh, you know famously co-opted. Scared money don't make money. If you are not going to put in the work, and if you're going to be a big boy, you got to act like a big boy. I mean, that's the and that's the mindset that Stoops and company have. I mean, they're going into Ohio. You know, remember Anthony White saying that wasn't even a thought when when he was in school, you know, the same time we were there 20 years ago. But now we've got an Ohio pipeline. Now the the best guys in the state of Kentucky, they're not picking Kentucky. We're in contention. So yeah. it, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's a total switch. And that's why I think this, and we've had a lot of these kind of where we get built up and, and,
1: you know, for these
2: short-term runs, I think this is where Stoops is laying the foundation for something special because I think Rich Brooks, I love Papa Brooks, but I think he benefited from that uh, one or two years where we had a lot of in-state talent, Andre Woodson, Keenan Burton, those guys that really came together all at one time for Kentucky. But if you have a pipeline to the state of Ohio, you're plucking guys out of Florida, and you're keeping the best kids in Kentucky, you're bringing them to Lexington, that's a recipe for sustained success, in my opinion. Yeah, When, when, when exactly. you've got all the avenues of talent coming in, and now you have made Kentucky kind of the cool program where – uh, instead of you know basketball being a hindrance, as we've had Dwayne Peavy on, we've had Coach John Lipsitz of the women's soccer team. Now you've got this environment where it's all sports, kind of you know the, the level of all sports being raised. But that's a that's a pretty good deal, and like I said, that is something we haven't seen particularly with football. But I think there's longevity to this plan that Coach Stoops is, is putting in place. And you can't argue with it. You know, a lot of these right. folks try to arm their quarterback decisions. And, look, no football coach in Kentucky has beaten Steve Spurrier two straight years. Hasn't happened. Okay? Yeah. And he's doing things like beating, you know, getting your first road win in five or six years, getting your first win of a ranked team of five or six. Hey, it, the 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 proof is right there. It, it, it's you know, it's like we get a couple of wins and we kind of get skewed on, on re, the realistic expectations of the football team. And that's why I said he's already ahead of schedule with where we are in the SEC. So, uh, Missouri, it was a great game. It's one of those games It probably wasn't aesthetically pleasing as, you know, putting up 38 points and throwing the ball over the field. But, uh, hey, these guys can grind it out. And that is what's going to serve you better in the SEC than some of these high-powered uh, offenses will.
1: Absolutely. Um, and like you said, you know, in contention for in-state guys, If you, even if you don't get them, that, you know, uh, David Harris went to Alabama, but then you bounce back and you get a Drake Jackson, a Landon Young, a Devontae Robinson from within the state of Kentucky pop up to Ohio and get Russ East one a former UK receiver. Craig East, so uh, stuff like that, you know, not cutting corners, uh comes to to expect to put in work and get results from uh, recruiting and it's showing and now it's carrying over uh, onto the field uh and, and it's translating into win. Um, you heard the tractors say, Well if they don't win that the recruiting will fall off now you're getting wins that you didn't get. Um, you know, C.J. Conrad, you know, another kid from Ohio, got his first catch Saturday, and his first touchdown Saturday. And so, you know, before that, there were all these questions. Well, why haven't we used the tight end? Why, why is the tight end? The tight end, what, what, what? Well, now the tight end was worked into the mix uh, and, and told through a, a rope on his first catch, dropped it in, you know, over the linebacker in front of the safety, Great catch by Conrad. So, I mean, it's all starting to kind of work, and it's fun watching it uh, materialize in front of our eyes. We'll continue to talk about all this and much, much more. We've still got volleyball and soccer to talk about. A couple comments from Coach Cal to talk about. eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three At Cast Talk Wednesday on Twitter. And, of course, Terry Tolls Brown, T-Brown underscore 80, and have Vinnie Hardy. For our personal accounts. Hit us on any of those forms. We'll be back in just a couple minutes and we'll get right back to all this fun stuff and a whole lot more. You listen to Cat Talk with Ben and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on BlockTalkRadio.com. Stay right with us. We'll be right back. Oh Welcome back to Catch Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brandon Hardy Radio oh. Network, blogtalkradio.com. Had a fun show talking about Kentucky win, victory over Missouri, and the continued quest for respect within the SEC. Um, and last year after the win over South Carolina, you um, – you know, everybody, you know, can tell you guys some respect, but then South Carolina went on to struggle to have a mediocre year, so that kind of diminished it. The same thing now with the win over South Carolina. You hear some say, well, South Carolina's not any good. Then they get blown out the, the next week against Georgia. Um, things like that. I've even hearing some say Missouri is down after the win. And, I mean,. They're still a ranked team that Kentucky just played. So let's just not, you know, get crazy. But Kentucky still has to continue to keep showing up because there's still going to be some detracting going on or people looking at the opponent as being down instead of Kentucky. It's rising. Now, they've gotten their share of love from a lot of people, but there's still some that,
0: damn, eh, them
1: down and, you don't. I forget where I saw it, but they're like, and who knows what they're going to be in November when they play such and such and such and such. So that still exists TB, and Kentucky still just got to keep grinding through that as they continue to try to hurdle teams and reel teams in in the SEC.
2: Yeah, and my, my whole thing is historically in the SEC, other teams have been down, and we still haven't beaten them.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So even if this isn't the same South Carolina team, from a few years ago, that's still a game we lose. A few years ago, and the same way with Missouri. You know, and and as we talked about last week, those Florida games, the majority of those in the streak have never been close. When yeah. You look at the score, 60, 70, I mean, it, it's not even, it's not even close. So the the fact that. Uh, the cats are even putting themselves in a position with Florida, even though Florida, burger Florida, still. I, I
0: think that's accurate.
1: Exactly. exactly. I'm going to bring in our caller, caller who is familiar with the show, a friend of the show, who co-hosts her own show now on Monday, Big Blue View on uh, com as well. Michelle Brown is on the line. People jump in and let her uh, had the floor as well. Michelle, how are you doing? Hadn't heard from you in a while. Good to
0: hear from you.
3: Well, uh, good evening, guys. Uh, it's, uh, golf season's finally winding down, and Wednesdays for, during golf season are just, uh, uh, that's a hectic day for me. I've been having to catch a lot of your podcasts uh, later in the night as opposed to live, but I'm back. So there you go. Be warned. <laughs> Uh-oh.
2: That's fair
1: warning.
3: That's she,
2: fair. Yeah, she's she's paying me back because I jumped on and hijacked her show on Monday, and she said she was going to call back in. So she's she
3: just getting <laughs> me back right now. Well, every now and again, we all need a good hijacking on on a podcast. I think, <laughs> Living things up. But I, I had it all in. I've,
1: I tweeted a few times to Big Blue View. Yeah. So I've just been I've been summoning in some hijackings from time to time.
3: Well, either of you guys are welcome to call in and hijack anytime because we're all on the same page. We're all about U.K. everything. It's not just a basketball school. We're a bunch of sports. And uh, the rest of the nation is going to be finally realizing that. I I would think sometime soon as we keep, uh, like with women's soccer, with volleyball, with softball, with women's hoops, and with our football team on the rise. I mean, Kentucky's making noise everywhere, and I love it. Definitely, definitely.
2: That I I can't wait for that uh, old wives' tale or, or fallacy of Kentucky being only a basketball school. I can't wait for that to, to fall away. Uh, I'm right there
0: with you.
3: Since you, you've had to focus on football, I will have a uh, – I'm going to – Embrace my inner Terry Brown and have a soapbox moment here. <laughs> <laughs> I, y'all I, just wish, <laughs> I just wish some of the fans could just uh, – I, I tweeted this last night. It's time to take a big dose of Valium in the big blue Twitter water. The things that people are getting so up in arms about, especially after the Florida game, I mean – We had so many people questioning the coaches, questioning the players, and I don't know how many times you have to communicate to the fan base that building a a championship-caliber football team is a years-long process. It doesn't happen in one season. You have to build depth at multiple positions, and you don't do that in one recruiting class like you can in basketball, like you can perhaps, you know, in volleyball or even soccer. But football it's a whole other game and if if you're all in and if you say you trust the coaches then, then trust the coaches and trust the process. There's gonna be mistakes along the way, we're we're gonna have growing pains, we're gonna stumble here or there. But for anybody that can still say this is the same old Kentucky, that just gets that that it gets my blood pressure up. We're not the same old Kentucky. Period.
0: Right.
2: And and I couldn't agree with you more, Michelle. I'm actually working on a piece talking about fans and realistic expectations. Uh, I know folks that follow me saw I went on a little Twitter rant about that last night. The coaches oh. see the players every day in practice. The coaches know what the players need to do. So I'm not going to criticize the coaches for playing somebody over somebody else because they know. Also, I'm not going to accuse the coaches of being cowards and playing scared because they want to win more than I do. This is their job. And anyone who's been around an athlete at the college level or a coach knows winning trumps all. They all want to win. So this notion that fans care more about wins and losses than the coaches and players is an absolute fallacy.
3: This isn't the same Kentucky team. This team
2: is doing things that
3: we haven't seen before. And if if anybody listens to Mark Stoops for 30 seconds, they would hear his passion and how much he deeply cares about building this team and having success. And he knows how badly the fans want it, but you can tell by the same breath, he knows how much we want it, and that makes him want it ten times more.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And here's the thing about Kentucky fans. I love the Big Blue Nation. I'm a part of the Big Blue Nation. But we don't know football very well.
3: And I don't think we understand
2: how long it takes to build a football program because we have been spoiled. Even in basketball and sports where one or two players can make a difference, what Cal did his first year, that ain't natural either for basketball. To go from he yeah. who shall not be named to to the number one overall seed in the tournament in in one year, that's not normal. So we've got this mindset where turnarounds can happen like that, and they don't. Every team that goes from worst to first in football a few years later, the NCAA comes and you know they get sanctioned. This is a slow process, but there are signs that the times are changing. And if you don't think that, then you don't know what you're looking for. And I'm see, I I, I piggybacked on your soapbox. I got on my I got on my
0: own there, Michelle.
3: Oh well, that's quite all right because uh, soapboxes of a feather flock together, or something like that. Uh, yeah, they're like they're like intertwined soapboxes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll sell them on eBay next week or something. But
0: uh,
3: since you touched on the fans, and and I'll touch on this uh, as well, as we were talking last night, that the fans seem to think that they have uh, this superior wisdom to the coaches. Uh, You know, they they know what plays we should call, when we should call them. Of course, they always say this five minutes after a play has run. You know, they they do that with the ultimate wisdom of uh, – hindsight so uh, I, I don't think that Mitch Barnhart was on uh, was knocking on their doors when he had uh, to look for a head football coach so that that thing kind of bugs me the other thing is when, when people I mean Cal's been here uh, for enough years that people should know Cal desperately wants to win championships and just because he said his goal eventually is to have 24 NBA All-Stars does not mean he views the NBA as more important as championships. And and people that 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 have... Oh, my goodness. That one just makes my head spin. Do they not understand (laughs) that if you have NBA All-Stars or future NBA All-Stars on your roster, odds are you're competing for a championship. Yes. I mean, if you watch him coach any game, any portion of any
1: game, any few seconds of any game, you see what all he's putting into it,
0: you know, out there on the
1: sidelines. The, in the tournament, before he had hip surgery, he was still hobbling and gimping around and, and still gyrating too much on somebody, on for somebody who needs hip surgery, uh, shouldn't have been moving around like he was, so just because he said that, the fact that people did get all talk about that, it never made sense. It's all, it's all like hindsight stuff, you know, don't even, he said it, you know, know, same thing with this this deal about, uh, you know, he stuck with the Twins, instead of playing Ulis and Booker, that's, that's nothing for me to even get riled up about either, it's just another hindsight story, that we're just looking back, to the Wisconsin game, I mean, he made some comments about it, but, you know, it's, don't and then for that people
3: either. to think, you know, for people to think that that doesn't eat at him, I mean, he'll still go back to the championship game when he was a coach at Memphis. You
0: yeah. know, I
3: mean, those little things, the lost opportunities, they eat at him. It doesn't mean he doesn't care. And I, I disagree with the people that said that he threw the Harrison twins under the bus. I, I thought I took it exactly the opposite. He said... He left them out of loyalty, and he said he bases loyalty on past results. And that is that those two players literally drug the team into the Final Four in 2014, and those two kids, under an unbelievable amount of scrutiny and criticism, not only from the national media, but, my goodness, from some of the big blue nation, which is just, like, almost embarrassing to me... And what he was saying, he, he had their backs the whole time, and it was because they had always been able to perform in crunch time. That was the previous result he based his loyalty on. This was one time the shots didn't fall that had fallen in the 38 previous games. Yeah, And
2: and, and piggyback on that, I had this conversation with some friends of mine after 2014, after, you know, Aaron Harrison's shots after his exploits and after Andrew had helped will that team to uh, that NCAA runner-up. And I'm saying to myself and my buddies, I said, you know, the time will come in crunch time where the Harrisons are going to make a mistake. You know, it, it's it's I think it's, it's, it was fallacy to believe that they would play 12 NCAA tournament games without a mistake. It just so happened they did not play their best against Wisconsin, but when you look at what they did up until that point in the tournament, and you throw in last year's tournament, a stinker game is gonna happen. If you could even consider that a stinker game, so, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you on on fan That's, expectations.
1: Yeah, a stinker crunch time in a in a myriad of clutch crunch time exploits. So yeah. You have you're, you're bound to have a clunker in crunch time here and there. You remember that Michael Jordan commercial talking about all the shots he missed and all that? Uh, that's I fail, that's why I succeed for Gatorade, you know. So you have some
2: clunkers in the clutch. And they been... And, and you really – you look at his shots, Aaron Harrison's shots from 2014. Who else in college basketball history has that kind of clutch shot resume? That's pretty remarkable. To
0: take him
2: yeah. first of it all, we must so let let them make him. Yeah, now, I, I, I agree. I, we're all on the same page
3: there. And then, of course, my last little tiny thing. I won't get too uh, drawn out with it because we were on Twitter yesterday. It was it was all blown out of proportion where one person starts a rumor and then it gets legs and everybody's thinking they know what's going on with Boone Williams. Well, he was back in pads and he practiced today. So for everybody that thought they knew... And still thought they knew, even after Stoops said he's still with the team, he's just got to work out something personal. Why can't that be enough for us? Do, you know, it's we're dealing with kids. Would you want if, if that was your son on a football team and he had? And we don't know what the issue was, but it, it it obviously something started in that game. So for people to make this assumption that something happened Monday that got him all upset was a, a little bit. Uh, off the rails, but I kept thinking, you know, if that's my kid, and and he's and he is a kid, you know, yes, he's old enough to fight in the armed forces and defend his country. I get that. That doesn't mean that he's not still a kid emotionally. and yeah. And it could have been anything from, could have had an argument with one of his best friends or something, and that weighs on his head. That can happen when you're that age. We don't know, and it doesn't matter because Stoops says we're dealing with him, we're going to work with him, and everything's good. Why can't people just leave that be? I, that's probably the, the worst side effect of social media is everybody putting their two cents out there immediately and tweeting to the player, come on, people, get a grip. <laughs>
2: I, I I agree with you, and I was going to cover that uh, a little bit in the show. That's a great segue, Michelle? And, I, and those people that saw my Twitter rant, I kind of tipped my hand on this. But for whatever reason, we think that athletes, even at the collegiate level, owe us saying something. Because we buy our tickets, we buy our T-shirts, they they owe us. And they really don't.
0: Simply because well, I'm working on an
3: article to that effect that uh, was going to come out sometime tomorrow on, on Cameron Mills Radio, but it's, it's exactly that. I mean, we we buy a ticket. We have a right to expect uh, a competitive product on the playing field or the court or whatever the venue is. I think it. we also, as fans, we have a right to ask the coaching staff perhaps why you made this decision or, or why this is going on. But to say that we know better and we have a right to tell you what you ought to be doing instead, as long as they are complying with NCAA regulations and as long as they are following the directives of their athletic director, what we think shouldn't act to the hill of beans? You know, I mean, if you get what I'm saying, you know, we 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 our rights are very
2: finite. It, it, exactly, and and people, if, if 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 people really understood some of the situations these athletes come from. You know, before they get to Lexington, and what they're dealing with away from the court and the field, some of these people. And what I'm saying is, because you can run fast and and you can dunk a basketball and catch a football or whatnot, that doesn't mean life's troubles disappear. You're not you're not, you know, you're not exempt from just the the daily stuff that we all have to deal with. You know, in, and, in college, and many
3: of them without family support. Exactly. They don't yeah. have their families there. It, 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 so I could go on for days about that, but it, the, the this mindset that people have is, well, I've been a fan since 1951 or since the earth cooled or whatever, so therefore my opinion holds more weight. And, and my comeback on that is, you know, I've watched every episode of Grey's Anatomy at least twice, I know all the steps to an appendectomy, but trust me, if your appendix ruptures, you don't want me doing the surgery. Yeah. Yeah. It, it,
0: it's,
3: it's, the, it's, the
2: same, it's the same thing. It, it really is. You know.
3: Well, I'm not going to take up any more of your all's time. I, I, I think I've done an admirable job hijacking, but I'm going to get off the hijack train and, uh, and get back to just listening to you guys and... Uh, Go Big Blue.
2: Oh, thank you, Michelle. We always appreciate it. Go Cats. All right, guys, nice
3: to hear you call back in. Good
1: all right. Y'all have Michelle. a great night. Yeah, we we definitely go going to get some boom stuff. Uh, to hit it earlier, but, you know, we we definitely that's dominating. And it's a, I don't know, is it even a dark cloud? It's just a little smudge on pretty much what's going well, uh, you know, a, a big win, it's a little, little speed bump uh, in, amongst everything that's going on uh, coming off the way in front of Missouri. Well, and
2: and you remember the situation with Trey Lyles uh, for a stretch there during the basketball season last year? And there was so much speculation on what was going on. Uh, people were getting, uh, they are saying, oh, if he had this, he should be back those those things are private. You know, HIPAA when it comes to medical stuff is private. We don't have a right to know that. Once they step off of the court, they're they're still people. They're they're not robots that just participate in these games for our amusement. And this assumption that they do know uh that we need to know, that we have to know I think, is, is, a, is a fallacy, especially uh, when you're dealing – I mean, these are people's lives. We have no idea what's going on with Boone Williams, none. I don't even want to speculate yeah. because at the, at the day, I just want what's best for that young man. You know, when people talk about should so-and-so leave early for the draft, look, that's not my decision. I don't know what's going on in his uh family life that if he wants to be one and done or, or if he's gonna leave LGBT on the table, that's not my call. I unfortunately I never had to make that decision. I had to go to college It's stay. You know, I didn't have that opportunity. So I can't put my personal beliefs and my feelings on on a young man that's got whatever going on in his dreams. That is not our responsibility.
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, like I said, you know, got to let uh, whatever it is
0: get taken care of
1: uh, in however manner it needs to be taken care of and dealt with. Um, we've got the support of the coaches. Uh, Stan Scott, Coach Stoops, all are there in the corner and uh, – when it is resolved, you know, well, you know, he'll get back when everything's taken care of. So, um, you know, he had not let the team coach too had to have an impromptu media session just because all this stuff kind of just blew up and, and got legs and took off and, you know, all that. So, um, you know, if he's not there against these Maybe he'll be back later. Maybe he'll be back later, later. We'll, we'll just see what happens. But, you know, uh, first and foremost is whatever's going on with him There's nothing else is going to get better until that gets
2: better yeah i i just want what's best for for this young man i mean whatever that whatever that is whatever he and his family feel that's my only concern uh and and another thing uh, about us fans and uh I don't know, like I said, I keep going back because I had a little bit of a Twitter rant, covered a lot of stuff. But when it comes to football, I think that the Madden football games and the the EA Sports, and they used to have college football games have kind of skewed our understanding of football and how games are called. And we think that you can just call up a certain play and it's going to get you a touchdown every time. Well, that doesn't work in real football. And in in real football, coaches use one play, you know, use the action from one play to set up, you know, a play down the road. There's more nuance to it than uh, what the average fan understands. You know, a lot of folks saying, oh, you know, hit the tight end, hit the tight end, hit the tight end. But it, it depends on how they're defending it. Unless you have a, a Gronkowski at tight end, a lot of it is about matchups and, and putting your guys in a good situation. If the linebackers are, are taking a step back and the safeties are playing a certain way, you're not going to be able to get the tight end of the ball. But when you look at the Missouri game and you see that the Wildcats were having some success uh, passing the ball to the wideouts on the edge, well, now that opens up the middle. Oh, and there's CJ Conrad. So there's more to it than just get the tight ends the ball. That there's there's just more to it than that.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, got to set stuff up to set stuff up or get something established first for them to respect it, so you can set something else up. Constant cat and mouse, and you know if if you if you're not hitting jumpers. Uh, they're not going to get up on you. They will play you to drive, so getting to the rim will be harder. I mean, if you want to make a basketball analogy out of it, uh, you know. So, so, and then you start knocking down some shots. Then they're going to come out on you, and then you can you can blow by a little easier. Same thing. If you can't, you know, beat them passing, you're not going to loosen up the front. You see stuff in the box <laughs> until they have reason to. you know, respect your passing game.
2: Yeah, that's that but that's the thing that I think fans uh we think we know more than we do. And that's why I'm glad that you know our good friend uh Freddie Maggard is is out, you know, in social media and doing what he's doing for KSR to really say, no, here, look at this look at how things work out this is why the coaches are doing X, Y, and Z you know it's it's not yeah. that they don't want to throw the ball deep and score a lot of points but when you have to look at your personnel you have to look at their personnel and we played tough defense you know South Carolina, Florida and even Missouri uh, I mean those are tough defenses so you, you can't just want to go four wide and throw the ball. This ain't Madden. This is real life, and yeah. it's a little bit different than than you sitting at your buddy's house with your Xbox.
1: Yeah, it's for sure, for sure. And we'll get back to some more football, no doubt, before the show is over. Kentucky football, NFL, not. Uh, skip over what happened in volleyball and soccer. Touched on it. We teased it all throughout the show. But, let's see, two or three weeks ago, maybe, going through the standings, the out-of-conference standings for the team, uh, Kentucky volleyball was 5-5, five and five, you know, just kind of holding their own, sitting right there at 500. And, of course, we at that moment – both said, you know, it hadn't started out like they had wanted to, but it's still early. Conference season hadn't started yet. Uh, they can still find their groove and get hot and, and get things the way they want them to be. But they haven't lost since. They were 5-5 five and five then. They're 9-5 and five now. And two of those four wins are conference wins, including the opener at South Carolina, where they swept them three straight games.
0: Uh, and then they followed that
1: up by knocking off number five, Florida, uh, in four. Uh, four sets. So now they're 2-0 in tie for first in the SEC with Arkansas. So, I mean, how quickly things change and uh, a couple tweaks here and a couple adjustments there and then you're, you're clicking and playing the way uh, you expect to play
0: for Coach Skinner and company. Right. And, and, and
2: that's what we've been saying and hopefully it kind of comes to pass that it's more Kentucky is more than just men's basketball. Every, every sport going out there is being competitive, especially in the tough SEC. Uh, You know, if you're competitive in the SEC, you're generally competitive on the national scene and and with volleyball turning around, uh, you know, beating Louisville, beating, uh, you know Florida making a name for themselves. This, you know, they're hitting their stride for another deep SEC or NCAA tournament run. Uh, you, you love to see that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and um, they they really. I watched the match against South Carolina on the SEC network and. I mean, obviously controlled the match because they swept in, uh, in three sets. But uh, uh, the first one, I mean, it was just it was over quickly. South Carolina kind of tried to gather themselves in the next two and make runs to where, you know, for a minute or two it would get interesting, but they never got over the hump. You know, Kentucky wouldn't allow them to get over the hump. Uh, they would make some timely blocks or, you know, some – some kills that were, you know, just daggers for South Carolina, and they couldn't overcome it uh, in the final two sets. And, they, you know, they kept them at bay and then pulled away uh, in closing them out in three. Uh, and then they followed that right back up. with was a Friday-Sunday deal, uh, Friday-South Carolina, Sunday-Florida, and then knock off the number five team of the nation in four, hey, I mean, that's, they're rolling right along.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. So um, top top to bottom, we we keep saying that. Uh, The women's soccer team, I know they lost to Missouri on Friday, uh, but they're still uh, riding high and still have got a lot of things uh, to accomplish this season. So uh, this is a great time for Kentucky Athletics. I think this is the year that they finally uh I think we can finish top 10 in the director's cup standings. I honestly do. I think this is yeah. the this is the year when you when you figure you know, a lot of assumptions here, you figure that men's basketball is going to do relatively well. Uh you know, we're getting to the point, you know, with with Cal where we say, okay, if we can get to the tournament. This is the final 14. I think this is the year
0: the the women
2: crack the Final Four women's basketball. And you factor uh, that the women's soccer team went to the Sweet 16 last year. They are totally poised, and they've got some, some, some games, some barometer games, where they can see where they are. But they're going to have the ability to maybe get to an Elite Eight on that side and volleyball. This could be the year that we crack the top ten, because even when we finished number eleven uh, overall, that was with a two-win football team. So yeah. if the football team gets to a bowl game and, and makes some noise, I think that uh, you know this is definitely the year that uh, that we can make some noise and, and, and crack that top ten, which is which has been a goal uh for the university. Uh, and it's 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 an attainable goal. You know, as uh Dwayne Peavy said when he came when he came on our show and you know when we talked about you know when he when he first got to Lexington and, and Mitch Barnhart they talked about you know just cracking the top twenty five which hadn't been done and now we are a consistent top twenty five. You know? Yeah. And and this this could be the the year of the wildcat from top to bottom. <laughs> uh huh. And
1: and just to update the soccer, I mean they're they're pulling their weight. They're nine two and one after the loss to in Missouri. Nine two and one overall. Three and one now in conference, which has them tied for second with Auburn. Uh, South Carolina sits at the top entity at four and zero right now, but. There they are, right there in the thick of things, and they're going to be, you know, a factor all year long. They're going to be contending, and and actually, they'll be a target, you know, all year long. You know, they're not going to sneak up on anybody uh, like they may have last year.
2: Yeah, and, and and that's the that's the the mindset that you have to look at as well, because we're we're used to uh, Kentucky men's basketball having that huge target on their back. But now the other programs are doing it too. You know, that it's it's not it it you it's one thing to kinda of come out of nowhere, but now once you've established yourself now you've got uh now you've got other teams gunning for you. Now you're the being the chasee instead of the chaser. So it's a it's a different mindset. And Coach John has talked about that uh with the women's soccer program. You know, once you have a little bit of success, then it's like Okay, you know when when teams come to Lexington or when the Wildcats come to town, it's, it's a big deal. So uh, this is the, this, I believe, will be the year of the Wildcat. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go ahead and, and and say that that I believe that 2015-16 will be the year that we crack the top ten in the Director of Cup standings. It it's
1: all setting up. For that to happen, um, Mitch Barnhart, and Dwayne Peavy, uh, have have made you know that a goal, and it's not unreachable anymore. It's not unattainable. Uh, that's an expectation they have, they're much like Coach Stoops expect to come in and, and turn things around, because you know he's just not expecting anything less. Same thing with the athletic department as a whole; they hey, they they're going for that, you know. So, uh, and it's been a, a focal point for some time. You know, despite all well, the progress they've made thus far, you know, they're, they're not just proud of that to say, okay, we're good. They're still aiming higher.
2: Exactly, because now you, and, and, and when you think about it, we're only two years removed from Coach Lawson and the women's uh, softball team going to the uh, Women's College World Series the women's track team national champ national runners up last year. So we're not talking things, you know, we're not saying, oh well, you know, uh the Kentucky football team is gonna win the BCS. We're not or I'm sorry, it's not BCS anymore, but we're we're not making these claims. Everything that we're talking about right now, they're all attainable goals for the athletic teams as they are right now. You know, as they sit and as they're constructed right now, these teams can can make noise right now. And, like I said, I think this is the year that they finally do it.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, of course, like I said, it's, it's setting up for that. It's, it's all right there within reach. Um, speaking of things not setting up and falling apart and crumbling, what about SMU? Probation. Larry Brown, suspended from 30% of the season, which comes out to nine games. Got Diggy Vitale, Dickie V, writing that he should be banned from college basketball because he's a good man. He knows his X's and O's. Uh, that's obvious with him winning a championship at Kansas, winning a title with the Pistons. But when he left UCLA, they got on probation. When he left Kansas, they got on probation. Now he's at SMU; they're on probation. I mean, this is unbelievable. Um, I mean, and when they were on probation, the UCLA and Kansas stuff, we were little. So, I mean, I don't. We, we can't really sit here and say we knew about that. Maybe we read up on it, you know, years later. I remember watching Kansas win that national championship in eighty eight against Oklahoma. I was ten. Oh, uh, yeah. I was ten in that spring. That was the second title game I ever watched, I remember watching. The first one unfortunately was Indiana Syracuse. And fortunately I don't remember Louisville Duke in eighty six. I I was probably just running around and, you know, just wasn't paying attention. Now, But now, I hate to interrupt you, know, you
2: I remember that game I remember that game because we were Louisville fans at the time. And I was in the third grade, and my dad uh, made me a promise that if Louisville got into the championship game, I could stay up and watch it. So I do remember that <laughs> in the sixth grade. So uh, I, I hate to jump in, but I, I remember that one specifically. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> my memory starts a year later with, with the keep smart jumper to beat Hum and all those guys. But, yeah, I just – you know, I just don't remember. I purpose is the first cat I remember at Louisville. So that would have been like 89 or something like that, I guess somewhere along in there, 88, something like that. But I don't remember the 86 Louisville squad. Um, but I do remember 88, Larry Brown in Kansas winning, Danny Manning getting the better of Stacey King and Mookie Blaylock in Oklahoma. Uh, but I didn't really remember Kansas getting on probation after that, and I sure don't remember UCLA getting on probation before that. But here we are again, you know, SMU now in trouble. They just missed the term in his first year and then you got all these inappropriate things going on, fostering an environment that is non compliant. Um, but
0: this is you know
1: and I'm, look, I'm not I'm not gonna be one that's just trying to point my finger real quick at some other school because you know, any school can act a fool at any time. So let's let, I mean, you know, stuff can happen accidentally or intentionally. And before you know it, it can be investigations and allegations and, and trouble. So let me not just sit there and say I'm, you know, reveling in it. You know, even when other schools do have stuff going on. Back in the day, Kentucky had stuff going on. But, you know, Larry's all about the right way and, you know, a Carolina guy and all this, that, and the other. And and I was just kind of shocked at this because, you know, SMU had. The death penalty in football, you know, that's thirty for thirty about that now. About all the stuff that was going on back then, and how I mean, they just they just cut the head off a of football team. It has been the same since. So I tweeted out yesterday. This this must be like the concussion penalty, or the upset stomach penalty, or, or the flu penalty, because it's still SMU and it's a different sport, but they still get in trouble.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, and I'm going to take a lot of, of of glee because, like you said, in big time college athletics, there's there's going to be situations like this. Boosters are going to be involved and and, and whatnot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What I think this speaks to, and again, I don't want to get on my high horse and 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 whatnot, but right, you've got that you've got to have a a system in place where you're, one, you're bringing the right kind of kids in, and two, you're surrounding them with the right kind of adults. And, again, I may naive, I may be being naive, I may be looking through this through my uh, big blue glasses, but I feel, especially when you look at Sandy Bell at UK, that, we've got some checks and balances in place to kind of prevent a similar situation. I hope, I think, I believe. But when, you know, everybody likes to remind Kentucky fans of, of Cal and, and his vacated. Well, this is Larry Brown. He's three for 30. Yeah.
0: And that's what
1: Dickie B said.
2: He's three for three. And not only that, but but two of the three, he wasn't. Yeah, SMU is kind of off the basketball map, but when you deal with UCLA and Kansas, I mean, those are <laughs> those are jobs that people are are dying to get. When you leave that kind of trouble in your wake, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, but but three times. And you you don't want to say that he's guilty, but you would you would hope that when he when Larry Brown goes back into s m u he says to himself or somebody says to him, "You know what we should probably do some things a bit differently to make sure we don't have the same issues that we did and i like again, I like to think that that sandy Bell and the u k compliance department and the coaches we have had you know we learned our lesson in the eighties when we almost had our death penalty.
0: So I like
2: to hope, to think, to believe that we have learned our lesson in Lexington and that there are safeguards in place to protect the university and protect the interest of the student athletes. Now, again, I could be wrong. Something could pop up tomorrow. I hope not, but I don't know. But, you know, and, and what we're seeing is the days of the coach being, well, I don't know. No, you should know. And whether that's fair or not, uh, you know, Jay Billis talked about that on ESPN. But the the days of of the coach being solely responsible, that's where we are right now. So you've got to be able to not only do X's and O's, but you've got to build a whole system to kind of keep these things from happening.
1: And I'm not trying to defend him in any way. Um, but like you said, I'll build a whole system. The coach is fully responsible. Um, uh, Larry Brown is 75 years old and, you know, the chances of him changing now <laughs> is it's pretty late in the game for him to kind of get on board and adapt and look at building a structure to prevent this, uh, to, uh, Reduce the vulnerability of things like this happening. Uh, this, no doubt. I mean, he's on. He's well into the twilight of his coaching career. Um, you know, you gotta you hate to play old and set in your ways, but that's kind of where we are now. Um, and, and I mean, I never hated. I never hated Larry Brown, or, or like I said, didn't even really know a lot about his previous uh, missteps at the college level. I wasn't even really paying attention to what SMU was even doing after, you know, after his first year, I hadn't even really thought about SMU. Um, you know, and when he was with the Pistons, I mean, I was rooting for him like the Dickens to beat your Lakers in the finals. Um, and even with the stuff with Allen Iverson with the practice, and we're talking about practice and how they were putting heads, I didn't really hate on Larry Brown for any of that. It was just kind of old school, new school clashing. But uh, you know, when you found out that he is three for three, you know, Dicky B said the same thing in his little piece on ESPN.com, uh, and you know, Dicky, his loves baseball, big Rays fan, and he's like, you know, three for three is great in baseball, and <laughs> just like he said, but when you're talking about three separate instances, three separate schools, three very similar results, DNA, you know. You don't take a genius to figure out we got problems.
2: Yeah, and, and then you look at the whole Muay Day uh, situation, and, yeah. and, and, and my thing is, and I keep saying it, and I'm going to forever say it, uh, I think Coach Cal, he, he brings in the right kind of kids. Again, I'm not saying that Uh, you know, they're bad kids that go to other places and our guys are angels. But at Kentucky, we don't need to take someone who has academic issues. You know, that doesn't need to be a thing. Or a Shabazz Muhammad. We don't need to take that on where he might have had to do it at Memphis, uh, at UMass. So, uh, again, I hope, I pray, I believe that we won't see that kind of situation uh, in Lexington. But, you know, I could be wrong, but I just feel like we have learned our lesson. I I believe that Cal has learned his lesson. And and so we do enough things to to keep guys on that straight and narrow.
1: Yeah, and you can't let it slip. I mean, because it will slip quick and get away quick. So it's all about keeping it at high level and, and maintaining that constant, vigilant watchfulness at all times.
2: Right. And, and my whole thing is with enough people in the media and, and whatnot that aren't friends of Cal and enough folks that aren't fans of the University of Kentucky there are all sorts of eyes on on what's going on. So I think any misstep would be front page news. That's just me personally. Yeah. And no. I think that's gotta be part of what Cal says to guys is hey, this is a this is a big spotlight. You know. When you look at like a, a Willie Collie Stein, he's going to be in the spotlight more in Lexington than he will be in Sacramento as far as as people being passionate about the team. You know, a lot of these guys, it's a step down once you get to the NBA because there's there's just not that kind of drive and and eyes like you are in Lexington. So I'm not surprised at what happened at SMU, and it, it could be an SMU thing, I mean, to be honest with you. You know, you don't want to link something from 30 years ago to now, but, uh, you know, all these people from Memphis that kind of get on Cal for that vacated. Well, you know, you've had other stuff vacated, too. You've had, you know, coaches go to jail for all sorts of things before Cal got there. You know, maybe it's you a little bit, you know.
1: That's possible. (laughs) Three decades later... You wouldn't think, but it could still be, it could still be possible.
0: Yeah, and it,
2: it, it's one of those things. I don't want to get too much on my high horse, but uh, you can but you can No, but but you, you can you could almost see this coming. You you can almost uh, see see this coming with uh, issues with SMU and Larry Brown.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, like we said, you can't just be quick to point the finger and laugh and and, and revel in some other school having some problems. Because like you say, any school can act a fool at any time.
0: And you just, like you said, you
1: hope the plans that are in place are effective and remain effective.
2: Uh, and
1: that's how you can do.
2: Right, and. and- it it starts with your your coach setting up a, a system. No no program, no plan is foolproof. You you can't watch you know your your college kids 24/7 365. You can't do that. But what you can do is put things in place to where hopefully you can mitigate some of those uh uh some of those temptations.
1: Yeah. That's for sure. Let's take one more quick break. On the other side, we'll get to uh, NFL stuff, uh,
0: a little touch of NBA stuff,
1: more UK stuff because, you know, that's the foundation of the show. TB and I can disagree on everything in the world, but it's all <laughs> going to come back to Kentucky and, and happily. So uh, let's take a quick break to listen to Cat Talk with Ben Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on com. Be back in a couple minutes. Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brandon Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com, dot com eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. Gonna hit a little NFL, a little NBA as they are about to get training camps rolling. Everybody's having media days and all that. Uh, we need to hit the SEC a few little games from this past weekend though because it was some it was some crazy stuff over the weekend, so, Florida Tennessee. Uh, you were you en route to Commonwealth? Were you already there? The game came on at three thirty on CBS. Uh, that was insane. Uh, yeah,
2: so I was. I was there. Uh, the, it was on the television uh, in the press box, and and a lot of folks were glued to the TV watching that game. So, um, you know. It's one of those things that uh, I'm I'm surprised that it's it's been that long since Tennessee has beaten Florida. And uh, I saw this stat, and I'm not going to try to quote it, but since Philip Fulmer left Tennessee, uh, Tennessee is like one in 20-something against ranked team. I mean, it's just – it is horrendous, you know, what has happened to Tennessee since Philip Fulmer left very similar to the kind of slow rebuild process Nebraska went through after uh, they got rid of Frank Solich, uh, and similar to what Michigan did after Lloyd Carr. You know, you've got an older coach, and you're saying to yourself, hey, eight, nine wins a year is not cutting it. Well, and, and then you see your program in a free fall, and that's really where Tennessee is. I mean, Tennessee is not the same Tennessee that that they had been previous uh, to letting Phil Fulmer go.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, I mean, it's been eleven years now since since Tennessee beat Florida, like you said. Um, and it's been this. I mean, There's been games like this. This past Saturday, though. I mean, we've seen Kentucky lose like this throughout its history. Uh, the game against LSU, you know, the, it was the Bluegrass Miracle for LSU fans. We we, we saw that happen. Uh, the Peach Bowl with the Marty Moore interception, and then he did fumbles and Clemson gets life again, and then Clemson wins the game. We've seen stuff like that. The two fifty-four overtime game against Tennessee. When Lona Sieber from Knoxville goes out to kick the game when the field goal to get blocked, uh, the 30-24 overtime game in Lane Kiffin's only time at Commonwealth that Tennessee pulled out. The overtime game against Arkansas. We've
0: seen Tennessee,
1: Tennessee lost like Kentucky has lost in the past. Uh, and this is the second time in three weeks. Uh but yeah, the game against Oklahoma was was horrible. I mean, they jumped on Oklahoma, whooping Oklahoma, taking it to mm-hmm. Oklahoma seventeen nothing, seventeen to three. And I looked, and we had some friends over, and I and I was you know doing commercials for Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky been I mean, playing that week. Now it might have been the South Carolina or, or whoever Kentucky was playing. Um, I said, I wonder when the last time Oklahoma's been held to a field goal, and then it wasn't five minutes later the game was tied. You know, 17 apiece going to overtime. So they're, they're turning on good shows down here. It's, it's, the honeymoon is over. Uh, I'm to some of the shows down here.
0: And
1: the sentiment is that the players are 4-0. and and the coach has blown two games for us. Uh former players are kinda not biting their tongue. Some former players Jason Swain, has a show down here. He played back for Philip Former. Uh he was keeping it real on his on his show Sunday television show, but he was
0: still uh
1: kinda holding back. Even though he was keeping it real, he's holding it back. You know, the honeymoon is over. They're kind of irritated with the way which Jones
0: is kind of condescending in his
1: press conferences and won't admit that he's made mistakes uh, against Oklahoma. Tennessee had it 14 inches at the goal line and elected to kick a field goal when you know, Jalen Hurd is a 240-pound running back. Things like that. Uh, they were up 12 where they should have went for a two-point conversion. He kicks the extra point. Florida gets two touchdowns and of course wins by one Saturday. So it's a lot of little things where they're, you know, patience is already wearing thin. They got Arkansas Saturday, who has underachieved greatly. Both of these squads are desperate for some kind of positivity. Um, because Arkansas won and three, losing to Toledo and, and Texas Tech, and you know, both teams need to win bad. If Tennessee drops this game Saturday, then up next they got Georgia and Alabama. Uh, so they could be looking at two and five when they started to see the rain. Uh, so this, they're hitting their gauntlet. You know, every squad, we talk about this every week, every team's got a gauntlet of a schedule in, within the SEC schedule. Tennessee's about to hit theirs right now um, after dropping two games that they had control of going into the fourth quarter.
2: It- and, you know, it's all about identity. And three games, four games in, you should know what it is your team is going to hang its hat on. And and Tennessee just looks in complete disarray. Those two games that we talked about, Oklahoma and this past week to Florida, uh, I mean, those are, those are Kentucky-type losses, but we haven't had two of them in three weeks.
1: <laughs> you, know,
0: you know
2: where we've been. You know where we've been favored to win. I mean that hasn't that hasn't happened, particularly for a, a proud Tennessee uh, program. It, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what Tennessee team Kentucky gets. If it's a, in completely disarray, if it's free fall, uh, that could be a game that we could that we could turn from. Uh, you know, a loss to a, a you know, a, a win. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think what what really bugs a lot of people, uh, you know, that, that Florida game, if you know, kind of like last year, if we had just gotten the Florida game, we've got a different outlook, you know, on the season. Uh,
0: but the SEC, it's,
2: it's Georgia's to lose, but – we have seen times where Georgia has gone out and Georgia has lost it. So yeah. I, I don't know who you yeah. kind of bank on to be the SEC East favorite. Every team is flawed. And even though Georgia has the talent, Georgia going to Georgia. I mean, it's just going to be yeah. it's just that simple. So it, it, it's – and right now Tennessee is doing their best to not win another game. I mean, it's just it, – I, I don't ever remember the SEC East over the last three or four seasons. Being in complete disarray as it has been, you know, here recently. It is, you know, yeah. when the SEC split into divisions, the East, you know, Florida had their heyday. Tennessee won a national. Championship. It was the East that was kicking the West butt. Now it's totally mm-hmm. reversed, and and the East is just it's it's just dreadful
0: yeah. in comparison yeah, it's like to what the, it was. It's the like butt. the
1: NBA. Like the NBA, East and West. The West is running things right now.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and, and years ago, it was you know your Lakers. I'm not sorry. Your Lakers, but your Celtics, your Sixers, uh, and then the, and then the Bulls. You know having their run. Now everything's kind of shifted out west. So it's a uh, it's going to be interesting this could be the year that Kentucky makes a little bit more noise because of the complete disarray. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, down the down the road uh what kind of team that Kentucky ends up uh we we end up getting. Uh you know, from Tennessee yeah. and you know, even from Georgia because Georgia going to Georgia. Yeah. And you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to say that but they but they will <laughs> They, I think, for all the talent that has come through Georgia, you would think they would have at least an SEC title on their resume. You know more than they. You know you you would think they would have done a lot more than what they have.
0: Yes.
1: Um, one of the shows down here in Knoxville is called Four Quarters Radio. Uh. John Reed and Charlie Burr, they co-hosted in the afternoons. I catch them on the way home from work. And they had been interviewing some of the Tennessee players and they some of them have been quoted as saying that in the Oklahoma game, they knew they were going to lose in the second half. So it's it's, it's some little some little bit of, you know, not buying into the coaching staff um Against Florida, they're saying all the right things, but you know they kind of get the vibes. They're rolling their eyes, and you know, are is it going to be like you said? They're at the crossroads. Is it going to be that the players just say, "Screw it, we're going to win for us," or are they going to check out? <laughs> and you know, they're, they're and they're like, you shouldn't be feeling this way four games into a season, already ready to check out. But that's where they are after these two meltdowns. Um everybody of course saw the and you know, we don't just bag on other teams like this on the show, but this was just ridiculous. And I mean everybody's talking about it, so you know we had you as well. But the final play, I mean, the go ahead score Florida got it was you know, Tissy um was, you know, fourth and fourteen. And you know, they throw a yep. ten, twelve yard pass, guy turns up field, three balls are in the area Uh, his teammate comes and makes a block, kind of bowling pin, two of them. He goes to the house untouched prior to all of that. Florida converted on fourth down after fourth down after fourth down, and it wasn't quarterback sneaks for, you know, fourth and an inch. We're talking fourth and long, fourth and five, fourth and eight, fourth and ten. They were five for five on fourth down. On the season, Tennessee's opponents are nine for ten in converting fourth down. Opposing offenses convert on 90% of their fourth downs right now.
0: Uh,
1: John Chavis, you remember, John Chavis was a long-time defensive coordinator for Tennessee on field, former. All the UC fans used to rip on him because when it would get to third and long, you know, opposing teams would convert. They would call it third and Chavis because he knew Tennessee was going to give up the first down. Now John Jancic is the uh, – Defensive coordinator, and now they call it fourth and density because, you know, when it gets to fourth down, the other team is going to convert on fourth down. Four-quarters radio, this, the radio station, the radio show I'm talking about, they're kind of getting creative. They changed their Twitter handle kind of like you do. You know, you're Terry Told Brown this week. They have changed theirs to three-quarters radio because the running joke down here is, if you ask Bush Jones for a change for a dollar, he'll give you three quarters back because he's not going to use the fourth quarter. That's that's what's going on <laughs> down here right now. <laughs> that's what's happening right now. Man. Four games in, that's what's happening.
2: <laughs> and, and and that's not a good sign. Uh, you know, teams. You know, three or four games in, this is this is your identity. This is, you know, you've got to. Uh, you kind of kind of know how you're how you're doing it. When you look at what Tennessee did against Florida, that raises a lot of questions. When you look at what Kentucky did against Missouri, that answered a lot of our questions. And that you want to be answering them in week four and week five, not asking more questions.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, got to acknowledge, we got a couple tweets from, well, several from Northern Kentucky Cat, who just followed the show, appreciate that. So uh, he's a big fan of the big reviews of Michelle and company and Mike McQuinn. Um, he was wondering if there was any other way to express disappointment, you know, with the boom situation without being negative And, you know, and like we all talked about when Michelle was on, just keeping that off social media, don't tweet it, kids handle it the same way you handle disappointment in your day to day grown up life. You know, you got to handle it properly and deal with the right way. Uh, but everybody who was getting negative and,
2: and, and, and tweeting and,
1: at a kid and, like that—that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that coaches and players are above questioning. Like, you know, you can you can ask Coach Dupes, okay, why did you make that call on that fourth down play? I think that's totally fair.
0: My yeah. thing is
2: I mean, this mindset where we 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 say that you know the coaches aren't coaching to win and the player you know that's that's my whole thing but yeah you can certainly question a coach i i think yeah that's that's part of it they should expect that but uh to tweet negative stuff at a player at a coach uh, that that's that i just don't feel good about that particularly a college athlete uh that 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 i think is is a is a no go
1: Absolutely. Um, and just to go ahead and get it out there now, we got about 10 minutes left. If we go past 8 o'clock, um, our own air session ends at 8, so if you want to catch the remainder of the show, you can call in and just, you know, be on hold and listen, or everything past 8 will be on the podcast, we'll run a couple minutes over, just so you know. Um, but you said Georgia's going to Georgia. Georgia hosts... Alabama this week, you know, who already has lost to Ole Miss. Will Georgia, Georgia this coming weekend, or, you know, then they come up to Knoxville the following week, I think. But, you know, they just, um, who did Georgia beat this past weekend? Oh, they played Southern, South beat them like a drum, and beat oh, Southern, South yeah. Carolina like a drum, beat South Carolina week, uh, the week before that. So now they get Alabama, so they get their first, you know, real game in a couple weeks. Are they up for it, you know, between the hedges this time? You know, is, is Mark Rick ready this time, or, or will they Georgia it up?
2: Well, and here's this is something that I think is absolutely phenomenal. You know, a lot of folks talk about the Alabama mystique being gone, and I think that is the case. But this is going to be the first time they're going to be underdogs in a football game since the 2009 SEC championship game.
1: Wow! Against Florida, are you?
2: Yeah, are are you kidding me? They have
1: wow.
0: been favored
2: in every game since then. <laughs> I'm, that is that is mind boggling when you think about it. Vegas is in the business of making money, and they have made Alabama favorites almost what six straight years. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now that being said. uh I think the Alabama mystique is gone, because as we saw against Mississippi, they're not scared of Alabama. And yeah. when Alabama closed the gap, Mississippi just kept firing instead of getting conservative as as teams want to do. That being said, being Alabama, Alabama, Alabama two years in a row, yeah, oh
1: Mississippi them yeah. two years so, in a row,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they're not you know, the teams aren't scared of Alabama. Alabama is good, talented, and you know Georgia can very well lay a dud in this game.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, I'm, you know, I'm saying the mystique is gone from Alabama. It's still a good football team. It's still Nick Saban, and he's got the hardware to back up. Hey, he can write this ship. They can still, they can still make some noise. They can still go out and do some things. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting game. Even though it's at Georgia and, you know, they are favored, I, I don't know. I, I, I would not put any of my hard-earned money on Georgia to pull that out.
1: Yeah, and and <laughs> in the big spot when the, the light is the brightest, you, you tend to – you side with Nick Slavin over Mark Rick when it's, you know, crunch time. Money, time, and, yeah, and
2: and the one thing that has has boggled my mind since AJ McCarron left Alabama, they really haven't had a, a quarterback that you think can can serviceable. They, I, it's yeah. like LSU for all those years; they had all the defensive talent, all these running backs, and even wide receivers. But they never really had a quarterback that yeah. would put would put fear into your heart. It's one of those things that just kind of you scratch your head on, on how that happened. But uh, in Athens this weekend, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say George is a lock. It's going to be a great game to watch.
1: Yes. And I guess we'll all have to be Ole Miss fans if we're going to do the scoreboard watching thing kind of like, you know, pin it race baseball. Ole Miss is playing Florida so uh, us being in the east, you gotta hope Florida takes a loss at some point. So uh gotta be told for old Miss to try to to knock off the Gators who are undefeated still yet.
2: Yes. Definitely, definitely. My oldest big miss, her her teacher uh is an old Miss grad, and she has been hottie totty Uh, the week after the Alabama game, because she knows I'm a big Kentucky guy, she was, oh, she's living the high life, living the high life uh, right now. So, uh, but, again, you know, Ole Miss started out strong last year, kind of faltered, so we got to see how they – can you handle success? And that's going to be – and we talked about it earlier with some of the Kentucky teams, is as you move from being, you know, the challenger – to the champ, you know, getting to the top is one thing. Staying on top is, is something completely different. And, you know, can the team, can the coaches, can they handle that?
1: Right. Exactly. Um real quick, just from your experience at Commonwealth, was it was it noisy, was it raucous? Was it, you know, popping the entire night, because I think a week or so ago, guys on KSR talked about some people complaining, people complaining about the noise, kind of, you know, uh, a segment of people were emailing me, Barnhart, what was your impression? I know it's it's quieter in the press box, but was it still loud, and were the students there? What was the atmosphere like? Well,
2: and that's the thing, Uh, a lot of folks don't realize the press box uh, is it's not soundproof, but you you can't hear the outside noise very well. And no. instead of the PA guy, there's just a a, a kind of I won't, he's just like kind of robot guy that says, "Run, nice. Williams, eight yards, first down, Kentucky." That's how the right. players come over. The, so you really don't get a feel until the once the cats came back out from halftime. And, and started really making noise. The crowd did well. It was, I thought it was a, a fairly good crowd. Uh, I would love to see the upper uh, corners of the uh, sideline bleachers. I would love to see those filled against Eastern and definitely against uh, Auburn. Uh, because as we've said, as Michelle called in and said, and other people, this is not your same old Kentucky Wildcats what we're seeing is something special. And, you know, fans have been saying, you know, give us a reason to cheer. Well, Coach Stoops and company are doing it. Now go cheer. That's the that's the thing. Go tailgate. Do what you got to do. Go inside. Cheer these Wildcats because they deserve it. Yes. Yes.
1: So uh, I knew I definitely wanted to, to see what it was like. And uh, hopefully it just continues to grow. Uh, like I said, get the – Get the upper, completely filled to capacity Uh, for every game. You know, got a brand-new stadium to go to. Let's go to it. Uh, I can't get to as many games as I want to, but I'm going to a game at some point. You and I will see Freddie at a game. Uh, That's going to happen.
2: And
1: and and real quick,
2: uh, Freddie, Freddie Bagger, great guy. It was about midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, and I can't remember the score of the game. But he stands up from his spot in the press box and he starts pacing. And I tweeted out he was like a, a dad in the waiting room,
1: you know, waiting oh, for the baby.
2: I mean, he was, he said, This is just what I do. And it was just, I just thought it was funny because he just, I can't take this. And he just starts pacing and he would <laughs> peek out and see what's going on. And he was pacing. <laughs> and it <was> just <laughs> but it was just one of those things you could tell he had those, he still got those competitive juices and it was still, you know, even all these years later it still kind of eats at him uh, to, to not be out there. Play. I mean, cause you, you know, we all kind of,
0: you know, twitch
2: and do things watching the game, but you could tell he was just, it's hard for him to take <laughs> off that quarterback hat, that coach's hat and just kind of be, uh, 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 an observer at that point. I, I thought that was, was pretty funny that uh he started pacing in in the hallways of the press
1: box. I I saw that tweet and uh immediately I had the visual and I hadn't been in the press box as much as I like to be but I, I enjoy it every time but I I saw the visual immediately and I just had to chuckle <laughs> as I was scrolling through and then watching the ball game. I, I saw it right there. And I was like, that's hilarious.
2: <laughs> it it, uh, it it like I said I can't say enough about the, the press box. Uh I'm scheduled to go back for the Charlotte game, uh I believe that's in November. Uh so I'm looking forward to that. Uh but it does give you a nice perspective uh on the uh on the game and it's always nice to hang out with other you know riders and, and kind of talk things out and uh you know i had fun watching people watch the tennessee game that was that was pretty interesting uh yeah so definitely want to go back but yeah that that visual of, of freddie Maggard walking uh up and down the uh uh uh, the hallways there, the press box, that was that was pretty funny. Also, uh, I know we're kind of getting close to our overtime, but uh, I was kind of sitting on one of the far ends of the press box because, you know, I'm just glad to be there. But I was next to the yeah. wall that was next to the um, Missouri coaches box. And <laughs> when JoJo Kemp got the next-to-last first down after they had called all their timeouts and he got it, they uh yeah, they were not happy. And I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I had to I had to <laughs> chuckle at that. That how often have <laughs> opposing coaches come in and been disappointed <laughs> like that. So that that was that was kind of a nice thing to hear too, so
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Real quick, um I know you have been a fan of the Oreos I want to, we got to, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays just clinched the AL East. That means the Yankees did not. I'm happy about that. Uh, I would imagine you are, too. Anybody but the Yankees is how I feel.
2: Yeah, uh, Toronto in, you know, I I think when you look at World Series champions and and that kind of thing, you know, those back-to-back World Series championships that uh, Toronto had in 92, 93, I think it gets you overlooked. Have to go
1: there. You don't have to go there. You well, I'm, I'm going I'm, way I'm back to Toronto. But but they <laughs> the <laughs> one <laughs> the one they won came at the expense of the Braves. I was just congratulating them for the and now. I mean, you didn't have to. I mean, we could talk about them. Joe Carter walking off to beat the Philly, but look, We don't have to bring up that other one. But
2: you know, I, I don't want it. But I'm just you know the, <laughs> the 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 Blue Jays. It's good to have them back. Uh, in the mix because, uh, you know, it's it's not as if they're a franchise without history. They've had some really great players, uh, and it's good to have them back in the mix.
1: Yes. And I I am happy for every team that had a long drought, you know, i.e. the Pirates, the Royals, who were, you know, contenders this year, and now Toronto can uh, shake off a long drought now. I was just saying, you know, the the ninety one series against the Twins, my Braves lost in seven.
0: Ninety two,
1: you know, heartbreak again. Now this is as a you know fourteen fifteen year old, so it hurts even more then. And you just brought it all back up, Sookie. Thank you. Well, we we can we can <laughs> hug it out. I was just, <laughs> just messing. I'm just messing, and just in a nutshell. Uh, the long season for our respective high school football teams continues, and this past Sunday, uh, Cowboys suffered their first loss. Niners out there in Arizona, Ugh. it was a bad weekend for the NFL for both of us as well.
2: Yeah, uh, two pick sixes, uh, Kaepernick. Thir- yeah, I, I, yeah, um, everything. And I told myself I wasn't going to be too emotionally. Invested
1: in this season. Here my lost TB. Uh, talking about his forty ers taking it on a ten for the second consecutive week. Uh, they lost to the Steelers forty three to eighteen. They lose to the Arizona Cardinals forty seven to seven. The Cowboys as well uh, dropped to two and one. Had the Atlanta Falcons twenty eight to fourteen. Uh, and then gave up 25 straight points to fall 39-28. to 28. Uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones got rolling. Devontae Freeman went nuts for the Falcons. Uh, first time a guy had 150 yards rushing, 50 yards receiving, three touchdowns in the game. So anybody who had him on their fantasy squad, they had a great day. Let's um, see if we can get TB back. Let's talk about his knowledge for just a quick minute. Uh, if not, we'll recap on that again next week. Uh, and also the NBA, we talked about, you know, training camp is starting. And already, I mean,
0: just barely
1: starting. The first day of training camp, Iman Shumpert is out four to six weeks uh, for Cleveland. I mean, 10 to 10 12 weeks. He's out a significant amount of time for injuring his wrist on the rim, attempting a dunk. Derek Rose.